Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. Today is a interesting episode. We have uh, Catherine. How do you say your last name? Antoon. Antoon. I was yes. like Antoine, but I don't <laughs> see the Twan part. No, everyone says Antoine. So all right. So uh, we're gonna be talking with Catherine. She is the kitchen manager at Kibaria. Saying that right. Um, we're gonna be talking about a little bit about Kibaria, kind of what the company does here. They expanded here, uh, kind of. Last year, towards the end of last year, the, when was your official opening? So, our official opening hasn't even happened. We had okay. a ribbon cutting, which was considered a grand opening, but with the ribbon cutting, we didn't have any orders to get to with customers. So, we had the ribbon cutting. We have so many applicants, but nothing really to offer the applicants quite yet. All right. So, we're not open quite yet but we are testing out recipes and ingredients and all that okay okay so uh so we're going to talk a little bit about kibaria and that's how you say it kibaria not uh how 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 are uh, other people saying it? kiberia like new iberia kiberia so it's kibaria um they're originally from connecticut right yes and uh you guys expanded here so we'll talk a little bit about that first uh but i do want to get to uh, our sponsor uh, definitely want to shout them out because they uh, help us keep doing this so real quick it is the music academy of acadiana uh, you've heard me say this before but they are the top choice for music lessons in acadiana they teach piano guitar voice drums violin saxophone flute audio production and all that good stuff uh, inside of the music academy of acadiana they actually have a separate company but it's within the same building it's a wave theory it's a studio so you can actually uh it's a recording studio so like local musicians have actually recorded their albums there and released them on itunes wow Uh, where is it it's uh next to sam's club on ambassador oh okay so uh they've they've won some awards for like what best designed recording studio in certain classes Wow. so uh we took a tour of it the other day and they had so many students in that building. There's like, I want to say around 10 different rooms. And each room had a different lesson going on with different ages, like mostly young kids. But they had teenagers. They had some adults in there wow. learning guitar, drums, and just music throughout the whole building. <clears throat> so uh, if you're interested in the Music Academy of Acadiana, they go, like I said, all ages, all styles. Uh, they send students to college. They've sent students to compete in major music competitions, and they have also premiered on the uh, American Idol and The Voice. It's founded by Tim Benson, who is a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. Um, the Academy has also been voted as a top finalist in the best music school by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they've won the National Music School of the Year Award back in 2014. They probably won more awards since then, but this is the information that I have. <laughs> uh, ultimately, their goal, though, is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers, because music leads to creative thinking. Uh, if you like music, chances are you've, you've thought about creating something 
with a song in the background. Uh, I don't know who hasn't. Uh, and if you haven't, then you're not a creative person. That is what it is. Um, and you can find them out more uh, by their website on the screen. You can see it, musicacademyacadiana.com. You can go to their Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, uh, all those other social media sites. There's so many uh, new ones popping up now, like TikTok. I'm pretty sure they're, they have people uh, on there. Actually, one of their people that was in the recording studio is actually pretty popular on TikTok. His, uh Justin Sh- Champon. Uh, he's like a... I love TikTok, but I don't know. <laughs> look, like he was in the recording studio. I couldn't even see him. But uh, he, was, he was doing some songs, and I went and looked him up on TikTok, and he has some really neat... Interesting songs. Uh, I don't know the genre, right? Yet, but it, right. it sounded cool. But anyway, that's Music Academy of Canaan. We really appreciate those guys. So now let's get on with the topic at hand. So, uh, Catherine, thank you for coming on and allowing me to talk with you. Thank you for having me. It's my first podcast, so awesome. It's, <laughs> it's usually a lot of people's first podcast, yeah, especially in this area. Uh, we only have like two or three in this area, anyway. Right. Um, so, uh, real quick, tell me a little bit about your family okay. and how you guys got from, I'm guessing, Connecticut Yes. to South Louisiana. Okay. Well, I will say it started mostly in Lebanon as far as the recipes. So, my aunt, who should be the star of every show going on about Kibaria, is the one who really started everything. So... In 2011, and this is my dad's sister, the Lebanese side of my family. So in 2011, both of her kids went to college and she was bored. So she opened up a restaurant called Kibberia, which is a play on words of kibbe and pizzeria. It was cute, Middle Eastern, you know, and at the restaurant they do serve kibbe. So out of her boredom, she started this restaurant, and some of her customers were big supermarkets, and they said, we have to be able to sell this food all the time. I mean, this is delicious. And ever since then, it has grown into what it is, a kitchen in Connecticut. So they really started in 2015 in a small area in a building, and since then, they have grown to 35,000 square feet of kitchen use. And they are pushing out, in full production without COVID, 40,000 pounds of food a day, um, which is multiple pallets with many different items on these pallets. And um, her customers, supermarkets, were saying, you know, we can only buy this in the Northeast, in Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts. We want to be able to buy this, you know, everywhere. So as a start of a second kitchen, we thought the easiest thing would be to go through me and my dad, who is my aunt's brother, to open one up here because I live here. And I've been training with my aunt for about five years Um, to kind of see what was going on and what it was about and if I liked it, if I enjoyed it, if I really knew I wanted to start something down here. And here we are today with a phenomenal new kitchen, you know, a sister kitchen of theirs. Luckily, we got to duplicate everything they've done, trial and error. Um, They have, I mean, down to their towels that they have, we've ordered all the same stuff, 
you know, the same product list, the same everything. It's just getting it going is, you know, it's taking yeah. some time. Okay, so that's, there's a lot there, <laughs> a lot there to talk about. Uh, I kind of want to go back to yes. the beginning. So 2011, your your aunt. My aunt. Yes. Uh, she is the queen of recipes, <laughs> I swear. Which comes from my grandma, my teta in Lebanon, who is still living in Lebanon. Most of those recipes come from her. The but. queen of queens. The queen of queens, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, so how, from 2011, the start of the restaurant. The restaurant. Correct. So, at what point... Did it go from restaurant? Like, uh, what was the defining factor to go from restaurant to, hey, let me do a full-scale kitchen? Like, like how do you go from... Because there's a ton of restaurants in Lafayette that stay a restaurant. They never go, oh, let me do a full-scale kitchen. Like, at what point did you go from little restaurant to full-scale kitchen? At the demand that she was getting, it was... The demand of what? The demand of all Lebanese products that she was serving in the restaurant, as far as kibbe, falafel, uh, hummus, tabbouleh, baba ganoush, everyone's favorite Lebanese products. Uh, she had such high demand that, I don't want to get technical, but, you know, regulations from USDA, FDA, you can't make such mass quantities in a small area like a restaurant or your house or something like that. So the more demand she was getting of... Like, who was, who, what, where was the demand coming from? Like, who was wanting that much food? Supermarkets. I know there's, she had some friends that own local supermarkets, you know, in, like, a comparison would be Champagne's here. You know, there's a few around Acadiana. So they had a few over there, and they started selling her hummus and everything. So everyone knows the Sabra hummus. Yeah. They completely took that off the shelves in, in Connecticut. I mean, she completely <laughs> replaced Sabra because it's delicious. And she was making regular hummus, horseradish hummus, uh, wasabi hummus, chocolate, every flavor hummus with the nice Lebanese recipe that, you know, our family recipes that we had. Yeah. And when you go from, you know, requesting 500 pounds of it to 10,000 pounds of it, you're going to have to move locations. Considering she still wanted the restaurant to run how it was going and not turn that little space into a commercial kitchen. And she never thought it would turn into what it is today. I remember going four or five years ago, and I used to make pastries at a local bakery. And what she thought was, okay, maybe I can go visit her. And, you know, she knew I liked to cook and do whatever. And I like to cook, meaning I would Google something and be like, a good dinner recipe. And I would go and get the ingredients <laughs> and I'd make it. And I'd be like, that was so fun. And it was delicious. So she knew I liked to cook. And so she would have me go up there and make desserts and she would try and put a little twist on it by adding rose water or anything to make it a Lebanese sort of pastry besides baklava, which she makes. And it's phenomenal. So you said baklava. Or is it baklava? Baklava, baklava. I okay. say baklava. Okay. It's just how I was raised saying gotcha. it. And my mom's from Opelousas, so maybe there was a bit of a, you know, mashup yeah. in the word with her and my dad, but... She would have me make pastries or whatever, and she realized, 
you know, I don't need to make pastries for her to sell out of her commercial kitchen up north or her restaurant or anything. Like, let's start a brand new kitchen and duplicate everything because that's what people want is good food. Not just pastries, but good food as well. You know what I mean? Like, I like my sweets now. Exactly. So once she started getting into talking to my dad a bunch, and they're best friends. They actually moved from Lebanon to Lafayette, Louisiana, from Lebanon when they were (laughs) teenagers. She went to Fatima. She didn't even speak English when she started at Fatima. She graduated early, which just shows you how smart and amazing she really is, you know, coming to America, not even speaking English when you get here. Who was this again? My aunt that started it all. Yes. Her name is Carol. And that's where the Iskandar, the last name Iskandar, it's in some of the articles, comes in. That's her last name. Um, So her and her husband, you know, I mean, they have really started an empire. I would like to say that since I'm involved in it. But, you know, and now I sit back and I'm just like, I remember two years ago, they really wanted to get into this kitchen business down here or with my dad and me. And now we're here and it's a massive, beautiful kitchen. And, you know, yeah. it's scary. Oh, yeah. It's scary to start Anything it up. Anything scary and, in business. But it's amazing. It really is what, what she has created and what we have been able to get from her. Yeah. And I've learned so much from her. She is really one of a kind. Really one of a kind. So... Um, I have a couple of things, but my first thing I want to go to is, okay, so you said uh, your aunt Carol, right? Carol. Moved from Lebanon to Lafayette. With my father. With your father. So my dad is the older one, and yeah. she was the younger one. So why, why Lafayette? Why from Lebanon to Lafayette? Um, well, first of all, they were in a civil war in Lebanon when my dad was 18 and they were 16. So already they were trying to escape what, you know, as Americans, we look at Lebanon and we're like, oh my God, it's the most beautiful, fun, awesome, best food country ever. It's exotic. It's exotic. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I always ask my dad, why would you ever leave Lebanon? You have the beach, you have the mountains, you have the food, you have this. And he could talk for hours about why he would leave Lebanon for America. But um, they came to Lafayette because in Lebanon, in all Middle Eastern countries, you know Arabic and French. Those are your languages that you know. So when they're looking at a map, of course, everyone foreign would look at New York or Connecticut and want to go there. Um, But they wanted to go somewhere where they could maybe have conversations with people. So they chose Louisiana because it has a big French population. Uh, I'm sure they didn't realize that it was pure Cajun French (laughs) that they were stepping into. But they... A little bit of a difference. Exactly. But they went to um, him and my... I call her Nanny Carol, which she thinks is so cute and Southern of me to call her Nanny Carol instead of Aunt or something in Arabic, which I do not know. But... um, (laughs) They both went to USL at the time, and so their hearts really lie in Lafayette, you know, for multiple reasons that I could think of, but to them, it it was comfortable. Um, It was probably cheaper than anywhere else they could have moved as teenagers, and I couldn't imagine moving to another country on my own with no money as an 18-year-old. That's scary. Absolutely. So they got through their college years here, and then 
I was actually born in Danbury, Connecticut. So they both moved to Connecticut and that's where I was born. <laughs> and my aunt and her family stayed there. Okay, so now, you from Lebanon, <laughs> from Lebanon to Lafayette, how did it go from Lafayette to Connecticut? So when my dad graduated from USL, which took, you know, multiple years, multiple jobs, multiple everything, he actually got, um, he got into NYU, which was actually Brooklyn Polytechnic at the time for computer engineering school. So he got into masters. Yes. And so whenever he was moving, my aunt was like, you know, we're all, (laughs) we're all going up there. So everyone moved up there. And, um, my cousin Danny, who is actually the kitchen manager at Kibberia, I call it Kibberia North now, um, lives in the apartment complexes that I lived in after I was born. So he lives in them now. It's all very... Full circle. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But they stayed in Danbury. <clears throat> and since my mom's from Opelousas, she said I'm not staying in the Northeast any longer than I have to. <laughs> so we moved to Texas. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I grew up in Dallas, Texas. So. Okay, okay. So you just casually, like, so we moved to Texas. Yeah. Like, not moved back to Louisiana. No, no, no. So I was born in Danbury, Connecticut. And then once my dad was done at uh, NYU, Brooklyn Polytechnic, my mom said, okay, you know, we're going back down south. But there was nowhere in Lafayette or anywhere around here from my dad's computer engineering sort of you know so we actually worked for cisco systems when they first started i don't know if you know what that is but cisco systems and once again he could talk for hours about internet and routers Mm -hmm. and how he was a part of all of it and you know but so i grew up in dallas and i moved away seven oh i guess i would say i lived in lafayette now for seven years or so so, so why did you come to Lafayette for schooling or? Yes, for schooling. I actually started at Ole Miss, and then I didn't want to be at Ole Miss anymore. Contrary to a lot of belief, I didn't fail out of Ole Miss. I just didn't want to be at Ole Miss <laughs> anymore. So I moved back to Dallas, and you know, as a however old twenty year old, I said, I don't want to be back home. And so I had family here, all my cousins, and. You know, I knew UL was here, and I always thought about UL growing up. ULL, I don't know what people call it here, but I call it UL all the time. Yeah. Anyways, and um, so I thought, why not just move to Lafayette? And I've seriously tried to leave Lafayette mm, three times. Uh, I don't think it's for me, and I've come back every time. It's for me, I would say, you know? So, so, so where have you moved to try to get away from Lafayette? About, okay, so you'll, <laughs> another full circle. My parents, I moved to uh, the beach. To My parents live on the beach, too. Pensacola Beach in uh-huh. Florida. So I've really tried to go anywhere. I tried to do school in Dallas. I've tried to do school in Florida. I've tried to do school anywhere. And I'm like, it's just not comfortable for me. I don't know why I felt so comfortable in Lafayette. But I always did. And so um, I had to get through another uncomfortable moment (laughs) of moving back here. And I did. And I haven't left since. So I feel very comfortable now. 
uh, even with the massive kitchen that we're trying to get up and running and going. I yeah, just... it sounds like you're 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 planted here now. Oh, I'm stuck. I'm planted. I'm rooted. I mean, it's it. Uh, I have many conversations with my boyfriend. I'm like, by the way, I can never move away from Lafayette. I can never leave Lafayette now at this point because of the kitchen. But I do love it here. I really do. It's different than anywhere else I go. When I go to Danbury, Connecticut, I'm like, oh, it's so boring here. Like, what do people <laughs> do? It's cold. It's freezing. It's whatever. But they do have Kiburia, which is amazing. There's your fun right there. <laughs> exactly. That is my fun. So anyways, but I love Lafayette. And I'm so happy that, you know, we have planted the kitchen here. And as complicated as, as it's been, I still am happy. That it's okay. in Lafayette. Okay, so so you're you're planted here, and that's that that's a lot of a lot of paths that we took to get to this point. Um, <laughs> so many. Um, I'm sure I left some out. No, that's fine. And so I'm still wanting to go back to the moment that Carol decided to go from small restaurant <laughs> to big kitchen. Okay, so. I don't know if you I don't know if you can elaborate on this particular portion. So did a customer come in from one of those supermarkets and say we really love your food. We want to work with you. Like how, where was that like that nucleus of of a thought? Um yes, so a big supermarket came in and said we want to work with you. Um, we have these regulations. We have these guidelines. Um, was it a partnership? Like, hey, we got a big check for you? At first, they really wanted her to do some R&D for them. You know, like, we're going to give you, let's say, we want a macaroni recipe. It doesn't have to be macaroni and cheese. It doesn't. But it needs to follow this amount of salt, this amount of sugar. You know, these sort of guidelines. And she would seriously go into the restaurant kitchen at the time and come up with recipes and have people try it and she would have to bring it to the customer and say is this good and the customer would say it's phenomenal obviously (laughs) i'm assuming that's what they said and they said you know yeah it just snowballed off of that and seriously their kitchen where they are is a massive building. So they're actually in a space of the building and they've had to add on and on and on and on. So at first, uh, it was maybe 2,000 square feet that they started with. I mean, that's a conservative amount to start with the full Absolutely, kitchen, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I remember there were girls on top of each other trying to package and ship <laughs> and do everything. And I was like, this is insane. And then I went back a year le- later and it was four times the size. And I was like, wow, this is insane. And then I went back three months later and it was double the size of what it was. And I'm like, oh my God, these people really are just dying for her food. Now, it started with all Lebanese products, all her original hummus, tabbouleh, everything. And then it expanded into every cuisine possible, Uh, especially the Jewish cuisine in the Northeast with potato latkes and gefilte fish and all these, (laughs) I know, all these things that 
you know, the Jewish population in the Northeast really wanted. Is there such a thing as lutefisk? Gefilte fish. Wait, which one? Uh, so you say it, so it sounds familiar. Luda, I've heard of lutefisk. I don't know if that's a thing. I have no idea. Okay. I've never heard okay. of it. But gefilte fish is like cod, uh, Atlantic cod, which is impossible for really us to get super duper fresh. And we don't really have a Jewish population, yeah. a big one to yeah. cover. But uh, gefilte fish, it's cod um, blended with a bunch of other ingredients and we boil it. So and- does it look like a tuna? It's like a little football, like mushed football. I can't say that I would like love to eat (laughs) it. But um, anyway, so she covered all the cuisines for this specific customer. But all the other local supermarkets and all that, they really, really want her Lebanese products. And they want expansions of her Lebanese products. And tabbouleh with quinoa instead of just tabbouleh with wheat i don't know if you know what tabbouleh is but Mm, no (laughs) you'll have to come try some and falafel i don't know if people know what falafel is i've heard a lot about it but i i've never tried it it's so good because i we i like one of my uh new favorite restaurants locally here is a shawarma guys oh yeah and uh i've really i've fallen in love with uh their spicy uh chicken wrap it's Chicken shawarma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's so good. So they have falafel on the menu, but I'm like, I don't know what it is. I could I Google will it. proudly say I think we would have the best falafel recipe around. I mean, it is delicious. It's very fresh. Everything is fresh at the kitchen. Obviously. Is in our name. Um, but it's it's crazy trying to get started and trying to get... I mean, we've had no problem getting the name Kibaria out there in Lafayette. Luckily, it's very local and very supportive. And, you know, it's a big community. It's just hard um, trying to expand outside of the community and see the bigger picture of everything, you know, because we have such a massive space to produce so much food and how many square foot is this space the whole kitchen itself is sixty thousand square feet so we're utilizing 30 to thirty-two thousand square feet of kitchen use um some of it is warehouse uh dry ingredients you know pastas those sort of things um and i always thought man thirty thousand square feet isn't that big until I walk it a million times a day and I'm like oh my god this is so exhausting I need a hundred people you know around me to be like I need this I you know can we get this because it's such a big space and we've had a hard time getting it started yeah you know I mean as hard of a time as anyone would have with anything they're getting started but you would just Especially with COVID too, and it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. So a little bit more about the 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 the, the building. So you guys have <laughs> freezer and cooler space. Yes. And so one of my things that whenever you told me how big your freezer and cooler spaces were, <laughs> I I couldn't even believe it because um, honestly my house is smaller. Mm. Than your cooler and freezer space. That's just one of the coolers. Yeah. Thank you for making me <laughs> sell my house. It is the biggest cooler that we have, oh. but that is just one of them. Yeah. So, 
I, I think I know how much square footage the cooler in freezer space was, but refresh my memory. I believe the one that we're really focused on is about 11,000. Just that one? Oh, yeah. How many How many total square foot? In refrigeration yes. and freezer, probably uh, 16,000, 17,000. And think about it. In my head, I love that because it's really not a lot of freezer space. Yeah, yeah. So it's nothing's frozen or really anything like that. Everything we're getting is fresh. So one cooler is designated for receiving all the ingredients, produce, everything. One refrigerator, the massive one, is for everything vegetable-wise uh, that's been sanitized or cooked and waiting to be packaged, which goes out the other side of the refrigerator, which you saw. Yeah, the logistics of this building is interesting because the cooler spaces go into another space that drivers of trucks can't get into. So exactly. it's each part is compartmentalized to uh, maintain uh, cross-contamination. Exactly, exactly. So we're actually going through USDA right now, regulations and inspections and everything, and it feels like it's been happening for three months, and I hope <laughs> the USDA isn't listening to this. But it's just, you know, there's so many rules and guidelines to keeping things safe and sanitary, and there's a point where you just have to respect it, because it's like, I would want to eat something that, I mean, I'll eat anything. I love fast food. But I would want to eat something that I know is coming into a very sanitized space, getting sanitized on top of that area that it's sitting in, yeah. getting prepped. You know, I there's a lot of training to do for me with <laughs> these women that I'll hire, but I would want to eat food like that. So you would just hope that people would see you know, what we're cooking in and what we're making. And they would say, yeah, that's that's exactly what I want, you yeah. know. And we have people that um, might be confused that it's a restaurant and it's not. <laughs> well, give me one second. Let, let's, let, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. I got one more sponsor I want to get uh, into ahead. the mix. And um, it's my, I think it's their last week that they're going to be on. They were on for a full month. And so it is Jet Coffee. Um, if you have not heard about Jet Coffee, uh, you're, you're seriously missing out. Um, real quick, their, their Broussard location uh, just grand opened today. They had a ribbon cutting and all that really? good stuff. Yes, yeah. Broussard. Yep. Yeah. So um, for those listening and watching, Jet Coffee is a local coffee shop, locally started with uh, great local guys. Um, they, they serve, I think they, uh, they use, uh, Rev coffee roasters for their beans. Oh. So they, they keep it local and it, it's nice to see two coffee shops being able to collaborate and not being in competition, so to speak. Plus they're far enough apart to where the demographic is, uh, but they're brand, they're, they're, they're somewhat brand new in the area. They're, they're only, uh, maybe a couple of years old, if not, maybe not even that. Um, their first location is off of 101 Camino. Camino Real uh, Drive in Lafayette that's going towards Maurice on the left. There's um, there's like a Waffle House, not like maybe just right next door. Yeah. And um, and they just opened up the one in Broussard. It's at 109 St. Nazaire Road, right in front of Walmart, uh, next to Raising Cane's. Uh, they have a great loyalty uh, program. It's top-notch. They, they, they modeled it after another very successful concept uh, out in Oregon, I think Dutch Brothers. 
uh, but they've really made it their own and uh, you know it's they, they've modeled their their business out of speed and efficiency like literally you yeah. go there uh, there's people kind of like I, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm gonna use this it's like the chick-fil-a model <laughs> you got people outside with tablets Coming walking to up to your car while the line is piling up, their lines get long, but your order's already taken. And by the time you get to the door, you're, they, they, they hand you your coffee and like with a smile. And it's like, boom, like you got your coffee. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's super great. Um, and, you know, they really they really just focus on a mission of exceptional customer service. I mean, once you go there and try it, you'll see that uh, they train their staff well. And it's all like the customer service is kind of community driven. And so they want to bring joy and happiness to every customer they meet. And their motto is dream on, which is a reflection that anything is possible no matter what challenges come your way. So it's a great company. Check them out. Um, and you can look for them on Facebook or go to their website. Their website is jetcoffeecompany.com. And on Facebook, just type in Jet Coffee. You'll see a little logo that looks like a little jet in a circle. And if you're watching, you see it on your screen now. So do check them out. And we appreciate them as a sponsor. And now we're going to get to the the topic of people confusing Kibaria for a restaurant. Because let's be honest, if you Google Kibaria, it's it's a restaurant it's online. Connecticut restaurant. Right. Exactly. And so whenever I went to go learn a little bit more about you guys, when the, the news started breaking and it, you know, I was caught. <laughs> you felt left out. Yes, I caught. <laughs> I felt left out. I was like, what happened? Uh, obviously, I missed the boat on this, and it's probably my fault. So I Google, and I see Kibaria, and it's a restaurant. And I'm like, I'm so confused because I'm like, this, this looks like a little local Mediterranean restaurant. I'm like, there's no way that they have what this article and there's these posts on facebook are saying they have they're lying like there's this can't be real so i even reached out to the connecticut restaurants facebook page and they responded though yeah they responded and i said um are you guys expanding to lafayette and at first they were like no where did you see this and i'm like thinking the restaurant right so i'm like um so i show them like a screenshot of the facebook post that i saw i said is this you guys or someone else using your name? <laughs> oh, God. No, it's them. It's them. It, they just yeah, don't know. Right. So um, as soon as they saw the post, uh, the screenshot of the post, they go, oh, my gosh, yes, that is us. I'm like, okay. Thankfully, there's no awkwardness now. Yes. Um, but. We get so many, like, calls from my aunt and my uncle and they're like okay someone's trying to apply or, you know what <laughs> i don't know how they get all the correspondence but they do we just need to yeah be more on top of our stuff and our website but and- you know what people even message developing lafayette after i make a post that gets seen pretty widely they ask they email us like hey how do i apply for the position i'm fountain like fountain of knowledge right i, I know and i and i honestly they they send an email and if you're watching, and if you're one of those people that sends emails to us about applications, thank you. I I try to help when I can, but like most of the emails I get have no reference of what company they're talking about. They just they see a post and they go, oh, I'm emailing because I want to I want to work there. Right. Because we a lot of times in our posts will say they're now hiring. Check them out. Right. And so I'll get submissions, and I'm like, look, what company are you referencing? What post are you referencing? I'll let you know. 
the contact information that you need to reach out. You and did, that's usually what I do. You did great on your article, though, because you're like, if you're trying to apply, go in the middle door, you know, knock on the door. And now we have so <laughs> many people knocking on the door. And I, I feel so bad. I'm like, well, we have nothing really yet, but we will go through all 300 applications very soon. 300? Oh, my gosh. And I totally get it. And I respect it. And I understand. Um, I just don't think that many people really understand what the work is at, yeah. at the kitchen. You know, some people think it's a restaurant, which is adorable to me. A lot of people come in. And they think it's a restaurant. But um, if you're if you're a chef or a cook, it's kind of a restaurant. Absolutely. And I am the chef, by the way. Okay. The, okay. You I, are the chef. I'm the head chef. Uh, I didn't go to school for that, but so you I know people you know what? that did. In the modern days, you don't need to have a degree for certain jobs. Right. Like, I mean, Google even doesn't even require a degree for certain things. If you know your stuff. Right. Yeah, you're good. I remember one time in Danbury, actually, I said, no, I'm just a pastry chef. And they're like, oh, where'd you go to school for that? I'm like, I didn't. And they're like, then you're not a pastry chef. Oh, I'm like, I know. no, but I am making pastries. So, it, so it's by, a, definition, by definition, I'm making pastries and I'm a chef that makes pastries. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I, you know, I am the kitchen manager and eventually I would love to just have people that I can oversee everything. Um, it's not a kitchen to be creative at. We have. You very have very strict, strict yeah, you know, recipes, yeah. Right, very strict recipes, very strict guidelines, very strict everything, you know? And I mean, but if you work at a restaurant that is a, a, a chain, right. they have very strict recipes typically. Right. Like, because that's what made that, that chain of restaurants successful is like, this is the flavors that we aim for. So essentially, you're, you're kind of a restaurant, like a chain restaurant, so to speak, where you have right. to follow, you know, uh, you can't, it's not a... Um, like a a, a, a a independent restaurant like Spoonbill in downtown, they can be creative, but right. but like at Chili's, don't no, try to be creative. No, <laughs> stick to it, and that's what isn't fun though, because Lafayette is so full of such good flavor and creativity and everything. So many people just want to like tell us what they got and what they can do, and it's amazing. And yeah. you know, it's almost like hard to be like. I love that for you, but I cannot provide what you need for me, too, because we want to stick to what we're supposed to do for certain customers. Now, there are times where we can deviate from things. Like, I would love to bring Cajun dishes into it, a healthy-ish Cajun dish. I know jambalaya and those sort of things. There's, It's not necessarily healthy, but if she can make Cajun potato salad healthy-ish, we can make something else healthy-ish. <laughs> so, so how would you go about making jambalaya healthy or potato salad? Because um, I know there's mayo and potato salad. Right. But do people use white rice for jambalaya? I would definitely use brown. Okay. So, and another thing that benefits something like making jambalaya is I could make 400 pounds of rice at one time. It, it would take me two hours <laughs> with the machines that we do. Do you still use a finger and measure to your knuckle? <laughs> no, we have lines on the tilted brazers or skillets, people like to call it. But, you know, I literally have to, like, roll it and then it tilts all the boiling water and it strains. Oh, which yeah. you, oh I mean, it's 
it's hectic. And I'm always, I used to be like when I trained with the girls up north who are the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. Uh, I remember I looked at a recipe for a, a dressing and one ingredient said 480 pounds. And that was the first ingredient. And I was like, what do you mean 480 pounds? Is this a mistake or... So everything is in such massive quantities. I mean, I know COVID has changed a lot with everything, but it, everything is just so big and huge. And so many people, <laughs> I don't think, realize that when they're like, I want to be a cashier, I want to do this, or I want to... And it's like, that's great, but we're all going to be sweating and dying at the end of every single day as far as like manual labor. And it's hard to explain that to people okay. without them being a part of it. Yeah. You know? So so as we uh, begin to wrap up here, so if somebody wanted to apply for at Kibaria, what would be the best practice and what should those people expect? Okay, so coming into Kibaria right now, we still have doors unlocked. When we're in full production, it'll be you know, people can't just walk in as far as sanitation rules. Um, what they should expect is as far as women, it's the most casual thing you could ever expect. You can't wear makeup, you can't wear perfume, you can't have nail polish, you can't do anything as far as guidelines. I mean, it is the heaviest, hardest working manual labor I've ever done. I know I'm not like <laughs> that experienced in manual labor. But it's very, very hard work, very rewarding work though. And you don't have room to be creative. You don't have to think of new things to do. You simply have to follow the guidelines and the rules that were set for us. I hate to be a stickler on rules, but the last thing I would ever want is getting a violation as far as anything right, going on. Right. So what anyone can expect walking into the kitchen to apply is Hard work, heavy work. It's a production facility. It's a production facility. Absolutely. I would love to be pushing out thousands and thousands of pounds of food a day by the end of the year. I mean, I would love that. And I'm, that's what we're working towards. Okay. And so I know in my post, I, I basically alluded to the estimation of how many pounds of food that you guys would produce in a day, but at, at full capacity... Let's say you have all your ideal uh, production crew, everything's running smoothly, it's well-oiled. How many pounds of food that you hope to spit out of that building? In my dreams, 50,000 pounds of food a day. 50,000 pounds of food a day. Ranging from Texas to Florida. Wow, that's And all the states in between. And that's my dreams for what I want to do. But we also have the capacity to do it. Yeah. You yeah. know, we just need the work. You have your facility to do it. You have everything to do it, but you just need the the labor and you need the... Orders. Orders, yes. <laughs> you need the order sheet. The customers would be beneficial, but luckily Connecticut has okay. helped us a lot. So one of the questions um, that many people were asking me is how can they... It would be indirectly, I believe, support your company. Like... Without giving away, like... So when you go to, hopefully soon, in the next month, grocery stores, local grocery stores, um, big grocery stores, everything, 
We are only selling white label. So you're not gonna see Kibaria all over a label. Uh, you'll see the supermarket's label. So it'd be a store brand product. Store brand. And it'll always be, hopefully, in my head, it'll always be in the uh, ready-to-eat, you know, containers and the freshly packaged section of the grocery store. Now, if you turn it over and you're looking at the white label and you actually care about what's in it and nutritional facts and all that, if you go all the way down, you'll see Kibaria. And that's how you'll know it's our meal. But as far, you know... Unless someone's going to ask me or my dad or whoever's working, like, what's this? It's hard. I remember in Connecticut, um, I was there for a couple weeks, and then I went elsewhere. I went to New York City, and I went to some grocery stores, and I saw on the shelves what I made the week of. And I was dying i'm like how do people like don't you guys care like i'm i didn't (laughs) say that but i'm like it just felt so rewarding and so cool to see that but also nobody knew who it was so i like that even more yeah yeah there's there's this kind of like uh i'm gonna butcher the word eminent god no this eminentity i I don't know the word either it's okay it's okay yes you know what i was getting at yes um okay God, I had another question that was uh, in my mind, but um, okay. So you kind of told me about how people can go and apply and get started. Um, yeah, I there was one more question and it's totally slipped my mind. But we're at about we're at the forty five minute mark. So yeah. is there anything that we didn't touch on that you think would be beneficial to to mention? Um. Not necessarily. I really wanted to, like, give all the glory to my aunt, which I did. She's, like, the most quiet, perfect queen of food ever. Um, And really, I just really want to reiterate, like, nothing that I'm doing and nothing that's going on is, like, all coming from my head. I am very, very, very lucky to be under my dad and my aunt's wings and guidelines and guidance for everything well you're here representing them and the company. exactly and i am very lucky and happy to represent um so i hope i don't disappoint anybody but <laughs> anyways if anyone wants to apply it's very hard work uh it's very rewarding work and uh we really just want it to feel like a family for everyone okay well, uh, real quick i'm gonna see if i can pull up your um post on our website so that People can find out a little bit more. about. So if you're looking at your screen, if you're watching, uh, just go to developinglafayette.com and there's a search bar. Just type in Kibaria, if I can spell it right. Uh, and it, it should pop up. You'll see the first thing. It'll say Connecticut-based wholesale commercial kitchen. So whenever you click that, you can read a little bit more about it. Uh, I have uh, several photos of the building, what the building looks like on the inside. So you can kind of get an idea of how massive this facility is. Um, but I'll be honest, pictures do not do it justice. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at the the photo now of the, the, the large walk-in cooler. And even though it looks big, it still looks small on the, the screen. So when you're standing inside of it, it's just different. Someone called it an ice skating rink. It, it <laughs> looks it looks like it. This floor is very shiny. And then you can see pictures of the, um, the preparation stations. Then you have... A photo of the 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 I guess the the stoves and the ovens and all that stuff. You have fryers there. 
If the, if that is fryers, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. And then you have what looks like to be a wash station, a wash room. Yes. And then um, a room with uh, several tables, I guess, where things get packaged. Packaged yep. and shipped out. And so, and there's another photo of uh, the dry area. It's huge where trucks come in and drop off pallets of stuff. So, and then uh, you got a map of where it's located. So if you want to learn more about Kibaria, you can go to our, our website, just type in Kibaria. You can see all the details about it. Uh, we tried our best to give you all the, the nuts and bolts of the company, but still, as you're listening now, you're probably still trying to understand the company. <laughs> I know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping our conversation helps, uh, people understand the company and kind of the, the mission and, Obviously, you guys are here to stay because you don't just come up with a facility like that and decide, Leave. you know, it's we're done. We're, yeah, no, we're, we're here to stay. Okay. So we'll do awesome. everything to make it successful. All right. Well, uh, Catherine, it was great having you. Um, I think I got most of my questions. <laughs> I had one that was like, oh, this would be a cool question to ask and it I'm fleeted. Sorry. No, I it's probably to- so No, much. no, it's fine. I'm usually the one that's the chatty Kathy, my wife tells me. <laughs> Um, so anyway thank you for coming on and maybe in uh you know six months to a year from now see where kibaria is if you're if you're rocking and rolling i'd like to have you come back either you or your dad or both of you um and talk about where you guys are in the future absolutely thank you for having me all right Catherine. you have a great day and everybody listening uh you can also find us on spotify you can find us on apple Podcasts. there's several other uh websites that our audio version of the podcast goes on to um you can just go to our website and you'll see a link uh underneath our uh what is it popular categories mm-hmm. or the feed and you can look up t podcast and we have all of our links there where you can find us or you can just watch us on facebook we do this every friday so anyway with that that is it Catherine. we hope you have a great day and i look forward to the success of Korea. thank you thank you all right you guys have a great rest of your day for information on sponsoring the tea podcast by developing lafayette Go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click advertise.